I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. You ever wish someone dead? I decided this is my Valentine's Day message because, boy, in relationships, huh? Ever wish someone, not so much in such obvious terms, I mean, we're above that, but that subtle, insidious sin of animosity that usually masquerades as righteous anger, you know, and thereby makes itself, oh, so easy to just ignore and or justify, you know? I don't wish them harm. Oh my goodness, I don't wish them harm. I just wish they'd disappear, you know? We'd all be better off without them. Am I wrong? No, probably not. Probably true of a lot of us, you know? So who do you wish would just disappear, you know? In my teens, uh, I think it was 14, 15, I did little magic shows with a couple friends and uh, got this great idea, magician friend and I, uh, before we uh, could drive, we took a bus down to Pike Place Market to meet a man we'd never met at the magic store, you know, the lower floor, uh, who then put us in his car and drove us to an old apartment building on First Avenue to show us some tricks he had for sale. And when we got to the end of a long, dark hallway, there was a handful of nightshade nailed to his door. And he looked at it, and then he looked at us, and then he said, that's got to be my girlfriend. I guess we're breaking up. <laughs> so who do, you, who do you wish dead like that? You know, just the, the nightshade on the door, you know? Oh, and long story short, uh, he took us inside and murdered us. No. <laughs> No, I'll tell you who did murder me. My mom, when I came home and told her what I had done, oh my gosh. It's like, you did everything wrong? Anyway, that's another story. I look back on that, I go, what? The couple dum-dums. Okay. <laughs> so where was I? He murdered us, that's right. Last Sunday, uh, we were looking at that sacred hatred of sin, as well as the sin of harboring hatred for the sinner in our heart. It's like, well, there's a good hatred and a bad hatred. You know, the Bible's full of hate for the right things. Same thing goes for anger, okay, in the word. But here's, here's where we really give ourselves uh, uh, enough rope to hang ourselves, I guess. Um, we don't call it hate, we call it anger. And then we feel much better about it. Oh, yeah, I am so angry. I got this anger for this. But the same rules apply. On that seaside hillside, we were there last Sunday, Jesus was teaching his newly appointed, mostly all except Peter, teenage apprentices and young teenagers at that. Uh, He was teaching them to be unlike the Pharisees. He was teaching them a surpassing righteousness of loving obedience that that comes, that stems from a, a changed heart, a changing heart which absolutely requires God himself to reveal his heart to us in such a profound way that it transforms every heart that embraces it, which then requires us actually to seek his heart with all of our heart. And so that's what's going on in the hillside, by the seaside. 
Meanwhile, that same time, those blind guides, as Jesus likes to call them, the blind guides of Jesus' day, they were teaching a little different approach. (laughs) They were teaching a self-righteousness of external behavioral compliance. It just sounds so warm and fuzzy. External behavioral compliance devoid of love as its motivation. Because love, gratitude... As the, as it, that's the only motivation that's going to make this thing happen. And so the thing about that uh, the compliance devoid of love as its motivation is that it inevitably, back then, still today, if it's just that kind of religion, results in charity, yes, but without compassion. You know, it's the going through the motions. Prayer, without real devotion. Their worship, yeah, without joy. And judgment without grace. Ever catch yourself doing any of that stuff there? Because you do. We all do. You've done it. We all do it. I was curious if you ever caught yourself. I hope you have. Because otherwise you're like those blind old Pharisees in Jesus' day. They didn't see it. We've got to be watching. We've got to catch ourselves. And then deal with it. Right? You see what Jesus is working into his boys is faith. From the inside out. Not merely virtuous external conduct. Which is difficult but doable. Pharisees prove that. Now he's going beyond that deeper. He wants a virtuous internal conduct. Which is basically impossible. Without eagerly embracing. Transforming. Into the shape of God. Which, as we saw last Sunday, requires some basic unlearning because uh, we just got a lot of things wrong. So did they. That's why Jesus said, read it last week, you've heard that it was said, yeah, from those guys. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. That's a scriptural quote out of context, of course, being used as a justification for reflexive retaliation. And that's why he says, but I tell you, and we saw this little code that Jesus uses. He's not correcting scripture He's correcting false teaching, misapplication. In this case, in specific reference to those blind religious rivals. And so when he says, do not resist an evil person. You know, the one that you heard say that. The cheek slappers. We saw them last Sunday. They like to slap cheeks. And so he says, now if someone, meaning one of them, strikes you on the right cheek. Okay? You turn to him the other, the left cheek also. You boys got that? That's what you're to do. You're, you're now my apprentices. It's a great question that'll take us down a little rabbit hole. But you've got to ask the good questions before the word will really open itself up to you. My question was, why are, Jesus, why are you so oddly specific about the right cheek? It's like, but if they strike you on the left cheek first, then pow! <laughs> but if it's that right cheek first, it's like... Uh, why the right cheek? Turns out there's a reason. No surprise. There's reason for the stuff in the Bible. But it doesn't really have anything to do with the right cheek. It has everything to do with the left hand. There's something distinct about the left hand in Jesus' day. A day when uh, there wasn't a lot of cleanliness readily available in that society. And so the left hand was reserved 
for any distinctly unclean needs, which rendered it distinct, distinky hand. That's how you can remember it. It's distinky hand. Therefore, it was never used to touch food or others without bringing shame. And oh, I almost forgot I put that picture in there. Uh, that's a restaurant. I don't get it, but it is. I thought that'll drive this thing in your head. So you, you just would never use distinct hand to touch others or food without shaming yourself and bringing punishment. The mere act, I put the reference in your, your transcript, the mere act of pointing at a person with the left hand got you 10 days of banishment and penance. And they're serious about it. Like, I don't know what you're flinging at me. So the left hand was never used, especially by the self-righteous. Oh my goodness, left hand was never used to slap. Hmm. So they use the right hand to backhand the right cheek. Try it on someone. At work. You know, their right cheek, you're right. No, don't try it on someone. But that's what it is. It's a right cheek, right hand slap. It's a backhanded slap because a backhanded slap is a fairly universal symbol of insult as it was in Jesus' day. It's like when we say a backhanded compliment, right? Only the backhanded slap was way more obvious. Way more obvious, mostly done publicly. The slap was not meant to injure physically. It was meant to injure and insult and dishonor publicly. It's a direct hit to their pride. That's what, it, that's what Jesus is talking about, the direct hit to the pride. And it's a big hit. It's a big hit. I'll show you what I mean. Uh, the ancient Jewish Mishnah, here's an old copy. Uh, it re, it's an ancient book that records all the rules of Jesus' day. And... It records the fines. This is so interesting. The fines of Jesus' day for shame for everything. But included in that, shame-based... Let me read this because I get it right here. Shame-based violence that causes only minor physical pain. Because if you cause a lot of pain, that's a whole other set of rules. But this was fines for shame-based violence that causes only minor physical pain. And the fines are based on the degree of disgrace in Jesus' day. So looking at the fines, we can tell which ones were the big ones. For instance, now this is when an average day's pay was three bucks an hour money. Okay, Punch to the face would run you 60 cents per punch. Okay, but you hit them hard. It's different rules. It, it, this is like a. It's a symbolic. Um, mm, hold on. Oh yeah, you can't use that hand. Sorry. Sixty cents. Knee to the groin. Not too hard. <laughs> Three times as much. Dollar eighty. That's uh, more than half a day's pay. Oddly enough, now a palm slap to the face was a thirty-dollar insult, and a backhanded slap would set you back 60 big ones, 20 days pay. But realizing that you could punch someone in the face 90 times and give them a knee to boot in response to their backhanded slap and they would still owe you $4.20, priceless. (laughs) That's funny, but it's not true because these are fines for major shame, inflictingly minor pain. These are shaming, shaming violence. But 
That $60 price tag for the backhanded slap reveals just how publicly humiliating, pridefully injurious a slap on the right cheek truly was. And so here's Jesus. He's getting his boys prepared, as they say. And by they, I mean me last Sunday when I made it up. Uh, <laughs> prepared for, remember, pray for your enemies. It's mostly for yourself to get ready for them. For an equally shocking response that their blind enemies won't see coming. You know, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other Reset your face. Brace yourself for a $30 palm slap on the left cheek. Get on both sides. We'll just make it $90 even. Don't even think about collecting because these are the guys who enforce the fines. And don't even think about paybacks. No left hand. Don't even think about paybacks. You know why? You're on Jesus crew. You're on the Jesus crew now. No eye for an eye. We good boys? Aye, aye. So when I, when you have the perfect comeback, refuse to strike back, they'll never see it coming. But you got to prepare yourself, as they say. And then open up, even seriously, set yourself up. We're not talking about physical injury, we're talking about insult. Set yourself up in love to further insult. Because that's just how we do on Jesus' crew. Say, aye, aye. Aye, aye. aye, aye. Oh, boy, that was like you meant it. <laughs> aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed to give our enemies pause and make them think and allow the Lord to do something. Just a few days before this little meeting on the hillside, Jesus and his boys had been terribly abused. By those blind religious leaders. Because Jesus had healed a man with a withered hand in a synagogue on a Sabbath. And so they, they got big trouble. In fact, it was so hot and heated that as soon as they were done there, they left, they left to come here to get appointed. Well, the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill him. They're way past wishing. And they're the guys that enforce the rules. They, they're the judges. They know better. Imagine how those hypocrites had treated Jesus' young followers. And boy, oh boy, I'll bet you there was a big, a striking difference, if you will, in the way Jesus had responded and the way his boys had reacted. And thus, this little heart-to-heart -heart on the hillside to get to the heart of their own murderous intentions of the heart. He says, you have heard from those hypocrites that it was said in scripture to those of old led by Moses, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment as God's judgment, unless they, unless they repent. She said, but I say to you, it's like, wait, it's not that. No, no, it is that and much more. Because now he's going to correct their incomplete understanding of the full depth of its meaning. I say to you that whoever is even angry with his brother, without a cause, we saw last week, without a righteous cause for that anger, like anger toward injustice and abuse or sacred hatred of sin. But even then, you can't let it get in your heart. Well, 
They shall be in danger, in danger of the judgment of God. Lest they repent. And whoever says to his brother, Racha, shall be in danger of the council. We've got to talk about the council. Literally, the word there is the Sanhedrin. And that was the Jewish authority over Jesus and his boys. This was the authorities that they were constantly at odds with. And these are the men who ultimately found Jesus guilty of blasphemy and worthy of death and took him to Pilate. That's the council. It's the Sanhedrin. So let's just back up a, a, a tick. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. Yes, absolutely. Shall be in danger. But you say that word, you'll be hauled before the council. No question. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Now, here's the incredible Jesus twist. It throws people off because both words mean the same basic thing. They both just mean fool, empty head. And so people struggle with what... But the, the story contains everything we need to know. One word gets you hauled before the council. The other word doesn't. This is the Jesus twist. Raka is a profanity. It's one of the few places Jesus is swearing. You say Raka. <laughs> That's like one of our worst words. Okay? You say, you say that profanity and uh, you're subject to the authority. And so it's very much... Like if I say we're this morning we're to use a profane word for poo-poo from the pulpit, I would be in much deeper doo-doo than if I use two acceptable synonyms that mean the exact same thing. You see there what I did did? <laughs> Angry F-bombs are bad. But their clean counterparts can be far more deadly. Because F-bombs will be judged, especially by the religious. You know, you're mad and you throw out an F-bomb and everyone goes, ah, you shouldn't do that. But anyone who uses acceptable terms that basically mean the very same thing, that communicate, I got this thing in my heart, I want to communicate, is in danger of a far greater self-destruction due to self-delusion. Think about, this is scary for me to think about. Think about what we allow ourselves to say and, and we, what we allow other believers to get away with saying. As long as we all use our own pre-approved synonyms for words we would never allow otherwise. I mean, you want to know what's in your heart. Just stop using the synonyms. Use the worst word you can think of, the worst profanity you can think of that means that thing. And you'll realize what's in your heart real quick. Like, ooh, I don't want that in my heart. Mm, we kid ourselves. We're all in the same boat, you know? So who do you just wish would just disappear? There's <laughs> you know, murder in your heart. Jesus' point is clear. The lesser external evil often poses the greater internal threat. Because it's far less obvious. And therefore, far more likely to be justified and accommodated and ignored. You can't ignore physical murder. But we sure deceive ourselves about heart murder. Especially if it feels like righteous anger. And nothing more than just a wish they just disappear. For instance, little little example. If a tire blows out in your car... You're stuck. 
So we got to deal with it. Pull over. But if a warning light comes on, we can ignore it. We can even get used to it. Hello, little engine light. <laughs> hey, buddy, you don't seem so serious. Because it isn't. Just a little warning until it is. <laughs> Ooh, hellfire. <laughs> you see, in the long run, the lesser is far worse if we accommodate it. This, Raka, you fool. This is the point Jesus is making when he then immediately goes on to say something we saw a couple weeks ago. Therefore, if you bring your gift, which we saw is now yourself, to the altar, which as we saw is now the cross, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way first. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift, you know, to God. Which, as we saw, is your living sacrifice. Laying down your life to love as Jesus loves. So go. And as he says, agree with your adversary. Agree with them that you offended them. Not necessarily with whatever you were arguing about. Agree that you offended them and do it quickly. Because no matter your motive, whatever your motive was or whatever their misconduct was, you did. You offended them. So don't waste time arguing how they shouldn't have been offended. Or how they brought it on themselves. Or how they offended you. You might be completely right. They might be completely in the wrong. But you offended them. You can't move forward. till you deal with it. So go. Listen. And agree. That it's true. They were offended by you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's not the apology you should do. <laughs> Don't, don't compromise the truth, but do apologize for the offense. That's all, that's all it's saying. And then he says to the boys, uh, a very practical advice, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison because that's how the Sanhedrin worked. Assuredly, I say to you boys, you... Not them. They're the ones that enforce the rules. You will no, by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. I have a chart. And I'll tell you, it is a whole lot longer than this. And these are the pennies. These are the pennies that you owed. And they added up. That's what he's referring to. Which means they most likely fought back in some way. Which explains why Jesus is now, just a couple days later, telling them how they got to behave if they want to be on his crew. And if they have any sense, they better keep their rockets to themselves. And I'll tell you this, I cannot imagine a world in which Jesus did not, then and there, share this Old Testament passage from Lamentations. Because it's where he's getting his information. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him. You see, it is good to wait quietly when you're being, you know, uh, insulted. For the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him. And let him be filled with disgrace. You're on Jesus' team. You're on team Jesus. 
This is how we do. Whether he said it, thought it or not, it's like, I'm thinking it. Do you boys realize you kept those stubborn teachers from recalling this scripture? They would have if you'd done it. And boy, they would have got slapped in the face with truth. You kept that from happening. But if you will offer your cheek and your pride, they will examine this passage and maybe themselves. But if you keep using their standards, you'll keep those blind hypocrites in the dark. So us, you and me, how do we do? What about you? Do you treat your adversaries the way that they treat you? Eye for an eye. No question. It's only fair. It is only fair by their standards. It's just not just by our fathers. And as much as we may despise them, because of our love for him, shouldn't we try to treat them to a sample of our salvation? Yes. Who knows? Maybe they'll taste and see that the Lord is good and that blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him rather than in the ways of this world. Anger isn't itself, anger in itself isn't sin, it's just anger. But it's often the trigger, huh? It's the trigger. It's all about how we are prepared, as they say. To handle our anger when it comes. You ever know a believer? I'm sure you have. They're very admirable. Ever know a believer who rarely, if ever, shoots off their mouth? Don't think that they don't get mad. Don't think that they don't sometimes feel like pitching a verbal fit. Don't think that they don't want to throw out a few cuss words now and then. Let's just give them credit. They've learned to keep their safety on. And that takes work. That takes effort. You got to eagerly want to grow in the image of God as seen in the person of Jesus. Because we can't control our triggers, but we can control our tongue. It just takes a lot of effort, prayer, desire. You see, a fool vents all his feelings. But a wise man, he holds them back dispenses them, you know, wisely. Because we are so prone to say and do, and especially to think, which means it's in our heart. Sinful, malicious, counterproductive things when we're mad. Because our anger clouds our judgment. So, since we're all in the boat together, let's just agree, let's do our best to be angry, okay, with the right cause, and yet do not sin by letting that anger find its way in. And do not let the sun go down on your anger, so to speak. Act fast, face it, and deal with it with the safety on. With the safety on. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Why would you want to do that? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because it, because it means I must stop excusing myself and accusing the other. Which is downright impossible without a heart that's eager to be shaped by the heart of God. And uh, forget the fines. We simply can't afford to wait for them to make the first move. And plus, why would we want to? Because we, you and me, we love because he first loved 
us. Why would we want to rob our father of our living sacrifice? It almost has nothing to do with them in that sense. Plus, you got this line. If anyone says, I love God, yet who hates his brother without, without cause? He is just a big old liar, it says. So I think I added some words there. <laughs> just a big old liar. As in pants on fire. Unless he repents. And the quicker the better, I'd say. So I think we better pray. Father God, we love you and worship you and ask you to reveal your heart in such a profound way that we can't help but to be transformed by what we behold. Holy Spirit, root out any hateful anger that's smoldering down in our heart. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you and acknowledge that it's only because of our love for your love that we can hope to grow to love others the way you love us. And so help us out. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.